Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. I am uh, legally obligated to mention that uh, this sermon series is uh, borrows deeply from Marie Kondo and her KonMari process. I wrote uh, Marie Kondo, and she, uh, her team, Sid from her team said that if you just tell people about the Netflix series and her book, then we're good. You can make this sermon series for us. So, uh, so I'm very grateful uh, for Sid from the KonMari team. I hope you're joining us here on our live stream. Some of you know that I've uh, written a book. Is called Staying Awake, the Gospel for Changemakers. Several people in this room contributed to this book, and it's kind of a primer on Christianity, and it's like, it was just a kind of a, a, a joyful project to uh, create this with the New City community, and, uh, and people buy it uh, all over the place, all over the country. But the thing about um, writing a book is that once you write a book, you can't stop thinking about what other books you want to write. Do you know what I mean? So it's like you write a book and it's like, oh my gosh, that was so much work. I'll never do it again. And then day two, you're like, well, I do have all this. So just like, I have all these book ideas that are just like, okay, I, I have a lot of life experiences. I have a lot of thoughts about things. Like, how can I possibly write <laughs> these books because they're like, it's just like these books are like at the forefront of my mind and I have so much material and so much content uh, for these. But one of the books that I really, I, I think, um, I, I just kind of keep finding myself come back to again and again, is a book that I would title something like Bad Advice from a Pastor. Bad Advice from a Pastor. And, uh, you know, I've been in ministry for seven years. I love ministry. Being a pastor is the greatest honor in my life. Um, but I, I, as I'm kind of a preaching, counseling, talking to people, kind of community organizer role, I'm realizing that sometimes there's good advice for some folks that's really bad advice for other folks. Sometimes I can say the same thing to multiple people in a day and, and it's exactly the right thing, spirit-filled thing that gives uh, some folks life and that same advice doesn't for other folks because the right advice for one person is, is exactly the wrong advice for another person. And this is kind of the craft. If you're ever interested in um, uh, joining ministry, by the way, which I highly encourage, blast, 10 out of 10, would recommend. Um, is like, but part of it is kind of this responsiveness of the spirit that's like, I can't just give the same advice to everyone. I have to kind of like craft uh, a response to it. And this leads us to, um, since we are focusing on discernment and stewardship this sermon series, this leads us to principle or skill number 57 of discernment, learning to say, this is not my teaching for today. This is not my teaching for today. And so one of the skills that you'll cultivate as you're going through this sermon series and hopefully throughout your whole life as you continue to um, build up your faith is being able to understand and notice when a, God is offering you a teaching that is just for you and when some, God is offering you a teaching that is not for today, whether it's for you later or for someone else to pass on to someone else.
Now this I know is going to be kind of a, a, a big shift for some of you because there's a lot of folks at New City Church who grew up in uh, church settings that are slightly different from what New City Church is like, like uh, less queer affirming, less anti-racist, more, you can fill in the blank, like just kind of more, <laughs> more of the, the other things. Uh, there's a lot of folks at New City Church who grew up in, in backgrounds where there was mainly an ethic of purity. And by purity, I mean this kind of sense of like, there is, there are things that are 100% right and 100% wrong. And, the, and this kind of purity uh, approach, purity ethic, when I mean ethic, I just mean like kind of describing how you are approaching your behavior in the world. The ethic of purity is like, I wanna get it right. I wanna like land this and, and I wanna like go through each part of my life and try to get it to be the right thing and not the wrong thing. And uh, a lot of folks at New City grew up hearing things like, you know, you can't cherry pick faith. It's either all or nothing. It's, it's yes or no, this is, this is what faith is about. Or uh, this kind of like, you're either all in or you're not. Did any of you hear that growing up? This kind of sense of like, if you're not all in, then it doesn't matter and, and get out of here. And that's, that's a purity ethic. And we'll be um, talking in a little bit about how perhaps purity ethics at times are helpful. Like there are, I think that there are appropriate times of purity ethic, but a lot of folks at New City Church are going to New City Church because there was a little too much, a little too much purity of, of this or that, black or white, 100% or 0%. And so we try to cultivate um, what might also be called um, like non-dualism. There's a couple different words for this. A non-dualism about faith, which is to say that in life, it's almost never just black and white. Like there's usually mostly spectrums and sometimes it's like multiple dimensions of spectrums through time, right? Um, and, and a lot of the time, if we're going at for a non-dualistic perspective, the categories of right and wrong are not always helpful because it's not just about this or that. It's kind of like trying to understand a lot of different dimensions. And so for example, something that we say at New City Church a lot is someone can be both well-intentioned and hurtful. That is a non-dualistic belief, right? Like, it's not saying this person is 100% bad or 100% good. It's saying this person had the right intentions and is still causing racialized harm or is still being homophobic and they have good intentions and we're holding both of those at the same time. That's what, do you understand what I mean by non-dualism? Like, kind of this, like, there's kind of, like, layers to it um, if you are in the, uh, I, I'm trying to like be accessible to multiple communities. If you're in the gaming community, perhaps a metaphor for this is like plants versus zombies versus Pokemon, <laughs> right? And so in plants versus zombies, it's like you're a plant or you're a zombie and then they fight each other and one of them wins. Like that is what plant, that is a dualistic purity approach. You are one or the other. And a non-dualistic approach is Pokemon, which is like, in case you haven't been around for the past uh, 20 years, how long is it? 25 years? Yeah. Um, Pokemon is like, I'm just gonna capture a bunch of queer little animals that like all have like different features and like traits and stuff. And like, and then, you know, you could fight with them, but you might play Pokemon because you just want to collect and there's kind of like just an open world to go. So that's kind of a non-dualistic approach of like, 
there's not one path, there's not one way to win. You just kind of, you just kind of do the thing and then, and then you win how, by having a fun experience. Like, that's kind of the non-dualistic part of it. And so, um, I just want to name that um, there are pros and cons to both of these approaches. And uh, there's pros and cons to plants and zombies and there's pros and cons to Pokemon. And so when we talk about Pokemon, uh, nope, when we talk about purity, <laughs> So the pros and cons of Pokemon is literally when are they gonna stop releasing more Pokemon? There's like a thousand of them. The pros and cons of purity are, are as follows. So uh, purity, uh, ethic of purity is energizing and it's memorable. It creates short-term productivity, uh, but it is often inaccurate. And so let's talk about this. Like I have heard progressives use a purity analysis community organizers all the time do like are, are we going to stand up for our neighbors or are we not going to stand up for our neighbors are we going to care for each other or are we not going to like that is a very purity ethic right that's a that's a dualistic ethic um and i just want to name that like as a preacher i am uh incentivized i'm motivated to preach using strong dualisms are strong purity because that tends to get the room the most energized. And so like when we're looking at these preachers and how preachers are conditioned through the room that they're with, like generally speaking, the, the bigger the room, the more dualistic the preacher has to be because that's like how you get the, that's how you get things cooking, right? And so, like, uh, yeah, it's, it's energizing and it's mobilizing, and it's really good for, like, we got to get this done, go this way, not that way. Like, in an emergency situation, you want to know where the exit is and where the not exit. You know, like, that's, it's helpful in that regard. And this kind of dualistic thinking, I do think has, there's a place for it. Um, and similarly, non-dualism, as I'm calling it, is, like, um, so... It, it creates more space for diversity, you know, like lots of different types of Pokemon. Um, it, it's freeing, like you can um, uh, be a little bit more yourself in a non-dualistic setting, like you can kind of show up more authentically. And ultimately, I would argue that it creates for more long-term productivity because it shows a deeper understanding of the actual situation. Um, but it's hard to movement build. You know, this is kind of the thing with organizing on the left all the time is like, everyone just wants to be like, having their own opinions and just kind of special and kind of like, I just want to be myself. And like, that's great until we have to fill the streets with like thousands of people. You know what I mean? Like, like it's hard to kind of like get the big push for this. And I just want to name that like, even by bringing up non-dualism, I would predict, this is um, a little uh, Freakonomics, but I would predict that this sermon is going to have slightly fewer viewers in our worship archive than the sermons where I'm making more of a clear like this or that. Because non-dualism is kind of like not fun sometimes, or it's just kind of like, oh, like complexity. Yeah, you know, like there's a certain like stuckness that comes from too much complexity. And, um, and, and we, I think, see a really interesting illustration of purity versus non-dualism in our sermon 
uh, in our scripture for today. So what do we hear? We hear the devil, uh, who's the, imbo- you know, the figure uh, that we're embodying as like the full hatred of the world, the oppression of the world, the greed of the world embodied into one figure. That's kind of what we're naming as the devil. Saying things like that are, are all half true or all the right advice in different situations. And so he's like, wow, you're starving. Eat some bread. Take care of your body's needs. That's good advice in certain situations. And in, in that second part, he's like, trust in God. Uh, you all the time are talking about trusting in God. It's good advice to trust in God. And, and the devil's offering certain uh, good advice. Uh, or he says, reach your highest potential. You could have all these kingdoms. Don't settle. Like that, all of these things are things that like I have advised people to do this week. You know, <laughs> like it's like, I just think it's, really telling that the devil isn't like, murder everyone, mwahaha. But it's more like, I'm going to give you the right advice in the wrong situation, and that's what temptation looks like. Or that's kind of what uh, evil looks like in the world. Like, that's really interesting. And so, so then we get a chance to see uh, how Jesus responds. And he says, like, okay, yeah, my body has needs, but my soul also has needs. And that is, like... If I eat the bread, but I lose my soul, then it is not worth it. You know, that's, that's Jesus' response. And Jesus, uh, in response to testing God, was like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> like, don't have an anxious attachment style to God. Like, you know, like, don't be like, I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm gonna test you, God, to see if you're really there. Like, I don't know if you really love me, so now you have to prove it. Like, that's not good in a relationship. That's not good in your theology. Like, don't, Test God, right? Um, or like, um, just naming that, if I were to inherit all these kingdoms, the empire would still take more than I got. So it's like, there's always this like, truth telling of, of what is really going on. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, uh, uh, here in this story, the devil was saying, I'm telling you something that's true, right? And if it's true, then it's always true. You can't cherry pick Jesus. And, and Jesus is saying, well, that's just not my teaching for today. Like, I, I, I understand that that is right some of the time, but it's not right all the time. And, and this is not my teaching for today. And part of developing your faith is being able to hold other teachings that maybe aren't for you today without completely villain, vilifying or demonizing the, the folks who are giving that advice. And so, as we approach uh, Marie Kondo, I think that this is just like a really practical way for us to understand the dynamics between dualism and uh, non-dualism. Because Marie Kondo is an example of how to blend both purity and non-dualism in one process. And so what we hear in Marie Kondo is, does this spark joy, yes or no? So there is kind of like a you only keep the things that spark joy, but just because you're discarding something doesn't mean that it's bad. And this was actually a huge learning for me because I kind of was like, it doesn't, you know, pre-Marie Kondo, I was like, I don't really get joy from this, but I might need it, or this is sort of important, or I don't know. And so I would just clutter my whole existence because of, of, of not having a strong enough line for this. But on the other hand, I wouldn't want to get rid of stuff because it's like, oh, but I used to love 
knitting or I used to, you know, I used to love this craft or I um, was in this play and how can I get rid of my theater t-shirt from high school? You all know the theater t-shirts I'm talking about. Just the worst JPEG of a, of a, of a play. And then just on the back, 900 names, incredibly legible font, just like going through, yeah. So it's like, how could I possibly get rid of that? I loved that play so much. It's like, just because you get rid of something doesn't mean that it's bad. And, it, and it, you can, it's possible to say like, thank you, theater t-shirt, for the joy that you gave me. I have other ways to remember this play, and so I'm gonna pass this on. It's, that's possible, that is, that's kind of that non-dualism. And the reason why I love this is not because Marie Kondo is Jesus, <laughs> because she's not. <laughs> she, there's some things that Marie Kondo is, uh, talk to me after the service and I'm like, oh, don't love that. But um, so Marie Kondo is not Jesus, but I'm trying to give you a very practical way to approach something that can be kind of philosophical and kind of hard to grasp. Like, like if you know how to hold your stuff and decide to keep it or not keep it based off of if it sparks joy, then you know how to create a faith that employs the strength of a purity ethic and a non-dualistic ethic at the same time. And the reason why that's important is because the empire will always be able to trick us if we only operate in dualisms. So, <laughs> like, this, I mean, uh, the devil, in this story, the devil was doing great community organizing, by the way. Like, I'm drawing upon the values that you already have and agitating you towards action. And it just so happens that the action that I'm agitating you towards are evil. But, uh, but like, that's, like, kind of what community organizers do. And I just think, like, Jesus is showing us again and again that sometimes we need to swipe left, sometimes we need to pass on certain teachings, hold them in a different place, because God is trying to tell us something, an, another truth that is also relevant to us. You know, I used to um, be part of a gospel choir in college, and the way that uh, we would talk about this in the gospel choir is God is sending an on-time message to you. That means that like God is, when, when you pray, when you worship, when you're in community, God is trying to send you a message to where you are right now, meeting you where you are right now. That is, that is what the Holy Spirit is trying to convey to you, an on-time message. And listen, if you're the kind of person who like keeps leftovers for a week, and you heard a message from God, and then you put it in the fridge, and then didn't revisit it until way after, like read the book of Jonah. Like we, we see how that goes, right? Like the whole point is like you need to have a relationship with God where you are in real time engaging with God because God has an on-time message for you. God is trying to set you free now. God is trying to send you love now. God is trying to show you how to create community now. And if we kind of let um, these truisms, these dualisms, these uh, purity culturisms invade our theology, then we'll never have a living faith. And there is no greater misery than not having a living faith. So this is the challenge for us today, uh, this week, and all weeks. Blessings. Amen.